Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. Yeah, I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove, and uh, this is our once weekly witchy podcast situation or whatever it is. Uh, we are coming to <laughs> we are coming to you on Valentine's Day. That's so right. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you out there listening when this listening on the day that this the, comes out incredibly yeah. late at night because I'm getting this out after we're done recording it <laughs> and I edit it so happy belated valentine's day that's is right significantly more accurate or happy valentine happy early valentine's if you're listening to this way late and it's like next year before and it's like next year there yeah. you go yeah so uh yeah i think we've covered everything yeah Probably. I don't know. Uh, if you're new, don't forget to like this video and you're watching it on YouTube. Of course, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell and do all that kind of stuff. If you are listening to this on your podcast network of choice, leave us a review. I say this every time. I don't know how to tell if podcasts are working. Uh, so that's your responsibility. You have to tell me. And, uh, you know, you can hit us up on social media. You can follow us over there. We've got everything. The links are everywhere. Um, or you can go to our website, nerdjive.com. There are links on that. Uh, as well as we have a Patreon, so if you would like the Book of Shadows pages for this or any previous podcasts, uh, join our Patreon. We have a Horn and Cauldron Coven tier, and uh, that's, how, that's how you can access that stuff. It's, it's got a Discord that we chat Yeah, Oh yeah, we have like a, like yeah. a witchy Discord and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, catch us over there or whatever. Today, because it's Valentine's Day, we are doing... Uh, love, magic, and hand fasting. That's right. Yeah. So Fast and the Furious 12, love magic. I, but that's, but they're family. That's, I mean, that's gross. That's how you start a family, my dude. Mm, because they're not all technically related. In fact, only, only like, like two, two of, of them, them are. are related. Yeah. yeah. Only Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's his sister. I'm fucking very impressed that I remembered their names. Damn. Oh, wait. Son. No. Those two are in a relationship, and the sister is the one who was with Paul Walker before Paul Walker died. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Michelle <laughs> I've seen all these movies. Like, the oh. girlfriend, not the sister. I've seen these movies a hundred times. I can confidently say, I don't know. We were but The Rock is in them now, and yeah. that shit's gangster. So, bam. Yeah. Let's talk about love. That's right. Uh, but first, uh, thank you to Miranda, one of our patrons, for um, asking us to do an episode on hand fasting. So uh, here you go. Sorry, it's a little late, but yeah. better better late than never, right? All right. Uh, so thank you, Miranda, yeah. for giving us the idea to do this as a podcast episode. Sorry, it's a little bit late, but uh, better late than never, I suppose. Yeah. 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 yeah we were like, <laughs> we're going to record this on Sunday. And then Sunday was like, you got a lot of other shit to do, so don't do that. And it was the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, and it was the Super Bowl. Great commercials. Good halftime show. Great commercials. Good halftime show. Acceptable. I'm football? of an age where the halftime show was filled with nostalgia. Oh, uh, my God. So... We saw some memes about geriatric millennials and this halftime show. And I feel that attacked. Very mean. Yeah. Like, like hey, guys, yeah. hurtful. That's, that's just hurtful I shit. I've done been called out. It was... It was quite humorous. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. So love magic. Anyway. Anyways. So love magic is um, one of the earliest and probably most popular types of magic out there. The earliest evidence of love magic is from a clay tablet that dates back to 2200 BCE. So that is more than 4,000 
thousand years ago. Um, so basically, we think and scholars think that love magic has been around since literally people had the concept of magic. Um, and you can use love magic for a ton of different things. So it can be used to influence someone to love you, to get back at an X or to get back an X, uh, to increase or revive that spark in a relationship, to strengthen love between two people, to make an ex-lover leave you alone, uh, to increase fertility, even for self-love, and basically any combination of love stuff under the sun. So it's like super pervasive. And it often uses physical items from the spellcaster and even the target of the spell. This is especially common in love magic because you're tying it to people generally. So you usually have physical stuff. Uh, so it can be as simple as putting some of your blood or fingernail clippings in the recipient's food. I know that's like a gross out moment or whatever. Yeah, gross. But... <laughs> and also feeding somebody stuff without telling them is a crime. Yes. Don't and do we it. will talk more about the ethics of love magic yeah. uh, in a little bit, yeah. but um, it can be that <laughs> simple and gross, but it can also be as complicated as, uh, you know, using like a hare's kidney or a swallow's womb, a dove's heart, blood, or even wine. So there's a ton of ways that love magic sort of manifests and uh, much like what you can use love magic for, the ways to do love magic are also as varied as the cultures that perform it. Um, and then the other thing we're talking about besides love magic, magic today is hand fasting. And hand fasting is uh, an old practice where a couple marries uh, and sometimes temporarily uh, and sometimes without a legal officiant or they promise to marry. It's like an engagement, which sort of makes them unofficially married. And they basically live as married for a while. Um, and the interesting thing about hand fasting is it's been really popular. It's really resurgent in popularity within the last like 10 years or so. Um, but it's not just a pagan thing. And most hand fastings in old times were actually non-religious. So they weren't like pagan weddings. They were just like not like like Abrahamic religion church weddings. Um, they were just like non-churchy weddings for yeah. people who just didn't do church or their religion differed from the primary religion in the country that they lived in. So they did hand fasting and um, this doesn't necessarily make hand fasting uh, a pagan thing, but hand fasting is also not necessarily a legal marriage in the eyes of whatever government for wherever you live, because it really just depends on the laws. Yeah. Uh, we live in California, and for us, um, hand fasting uh, is only legal if you have the two witnesses, you know, the two the two people that are getting all of married. The, necessary the two legal witnesses stuff, and an yeah. officiant. You have to have all of those things. But just because you have to have all of those things to be hand fasted doesn't mean that you can't do hand fasting. It's just doesn't necessarily make it a legal marriage union. So there's kind of a line there between what a government deems is legally marriage and then what the two participants in the in the ceremony believe will unite them in love basically well, yeah it's it's i mean there's just a difference between being legally married and going through a ceremony that that was the point of like eight million conversations over the last like 20 years right mm -hmm. like you know just because you can get the ceremony done doesn't mean that you can get married or vice versa or bloody whatever so like yeah it's just hand fasting is just a type of ceremony 
So yeah, I mean, hand fasting is just like a type of ceremony and really um, we're, we're actually going to talk about hand fasting first. So this is perfect uh, as a segue because it's not even really a segue. It's just a continuation of this conversation. It's, a segue. <laughs> it's got two wheels. It balances on its own. It threw that one dude off a cliff who may have been the CEO or something. Oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Huh. I've never they're, been on a Segway. They're very cool. I have never been on one. They seem terrifying. Uh, yeah, I am definitely Holy terrified. Shit, I saw no. a video recently the, where somebody the had like Segway The fucking e-scooters in Denver are terrifying. Yeah. Just be like, you can do 25 on a scooter in traffic in downtown Denver. Man, that was... I'm hella Jesus clumsy. took the wheel like, on that a, shit. Even an unpowered you. scooter is terrifying. <laughs> so fucking... Yeah, that I am was, like a hobbit. We I were, want my feet we were on the ground. zipping, dude with those scooters we went like all across town with those because it was like <laughs> faster than waiting for an uber faster than waiting for an uber yeah yeah but yeah none of that mm -mm. no no you can do like off-road segway tours i'm just like no i want my feet on the earth man fuck that off-road segway that's how yeah. you break a nose or yeah. something <laughs> or those balance board people the ones who ride the one wheels oh, like bloody what's his name that's when he broke yeah. his arm on uh on node yeah. Was on one of those one wheels. Those things are terrifying, man. I don't, yeah, I'm no, not into it. I'm okay without it. I'm good. I'll use my feet or I'll use a car to get around. <laughs> so anyway, hand fasting is uh, actually sort of a play on words, the way that that term sort of came about. And really it's a, the shaking or binding of hands, which signifies an agreement. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's that simple. Um, and hand fasting was widely practiced in Germanic Europe and in the UK uh, up until about the 1700s. And then it fell out of practice again until the revival of Wicca and witchcraft in the late 1900s. Very weird um, calling the last century the 1900s. It feels so like old timey to me. But then I'm like, it's been like 22 years since that's since you were even in that century. But I was born in that century. So I'm just like, wow, that's weird. Um, no. Yeah. The 1900s were the, the 19th century. No, is the I'm 1800s. saying the 1900s. Oh, okay. Okay. Not the 19th oh, okay. Century. I was just like, uh, no, you weren't. No, <laughs> none of this is correct. No, no, the 20th century. Yeah, but the 1900s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Also, also, I just need to put this out there because this is one of those things that I think about. I don't know, probably like once a day, just to like stoke the fires of rage deep down inside of me it's fucking stupid that we call the 1900s the 20th century and the 2000s the 21st century and the 1700s well, the 18th century but there's like i a understand why that. it doesn't make it less fucking stupid just because there's a reason doesn't mean that it's not also fucking stupid i mean there's yeah. a bunch of dumb shit that got good ass fucking reasons behind it doesn't mean that the reasons make sense or that they're fair or that it's not stupid. We can delineate that fact. It's just fucking dumb. I, since I was a child, I'm just like, this is dumb. Like, I understand. I get it. Fucking mm, is a piece of cake. But still, why? Why make it more difficult? You know why? Fuck you. That's why. I change often between saying like this, like the 1700s, 1900s or like 17th century, 19th century, um, which I understand are different four different things I just named, but mm -hmm. like I change between those and I usually just use whichever one like happens first in my mind. Mm. So if it happens first in my mind that it's like the four, you know, four digit year, basically, then I'm just like, boom, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just one of those weird observable, stupid things that we all participate in as speakers of a nightmare language. <laughs> so 
deal with that, I guess. Speaking of nightmares, in uh, 1753, there was something that was, was called the English Marriage Act, and it required that an officiant had to be a priest or a magistrate, in addition to other requirements to have a marriage be valid. But and they want they did this so that you would get rid of secret marriages because basically the government and the church were like, hey, a bunch of people are getting married without paying us money secret married yeah they're getting secret married without paying us money and um that's a problem uh and there were also it also made it so that you know if you're only supposed to be married to one person it's a lot harder to marry multiple people when marriages aren't secret um and you actually had to disclose a wedding 30 days prior to the wedding happening like in your local newspaper Mm. and more so i think that that's where sort of that save the date idea comes from. I wonder from. if that aligns with or unaligns with whatever the nightmare practice of Prima Nocta is. Um, I would imagine it doesn't align with it. And I don't it's just the government trying to get all up in your life. Because you know how governments love being all up inside of your life. But um, it's just so <laughs> dumb, dude. It's so dumb. Oh well, my God. I didn't look all the into... rules around marriage. I didn't silly. look into Prima Nocta, but from what I remember... Um, I think that's way it. like it's way or it doesn't way mean it didn't happen earlier. then, but yeah. I think it originated way earlier. Yeah. Um, and some people call uh, hand fasting a Scottish marriage. So, <laughs> so in when this English Marriage Act um, happened, there was a ton of marriages in Scotland that were done via hand fasting because these people would just do a simple, they, they couldn't afford getting married in a church. And many of them did not follow the same religion as the the Brits did. Yeah, so the they had to like do something else. So there was a whole lot of different things things about that politically that I was like super surprised to learn about. Hmm. Uh, but historically during a hand fasting ceremony, the people would, the, the people getting married would hold each other's hands and they would say a simple marriage vow. And really that's kind of like the core ingot of what hand fasting is and kind of where you take that is wherever you want. So really the use of the word hand fasting is pretty interchangeable with the word marriage, you know, yeah. getting married, having a wedding. So there's really not a big difference when you look at the basic components. Um, but hand fasting typically in the older times seems to have been a lot more of a simple affair, usually done by common folk as opposed to like rich people. Yeah. <laughs> like we talked about um, in our Mabone episode about uh, why Oktoberfest is called Oktoberfest. You know, not everybody has enough money to get married and then throw a two week long party and then do it again the next year because everybody had so much fun. Yeah. So when people would get hand fasted, they would typically exchange a ring. It was also common to take a gold coin and break it in half and each person would carry that. Um, You could also exchange gloves. So each one of you had a hand of a glove, Um, even a red ribbon tied in a knot, not even a circular knot, just a red ribbon that had a knot in it. You just keep it in your pocket and um, even a silver toothpick. So rings were certainly not necessarily a custom, um, especially because that kind of stuff was expensive then. Uh, And the hand fastings typically would take place at the bride's home as opposed to like in the church, like we were talking about. Uh, But also evidence shows that plenty of hand fastings took place in taverns and orchards and even a couple of them on horseback. So again, while I'm talking about this, you can really think about like modern marriage. Yeah. Right. That's just some that's just some Bonnie and Clyde. They were like literally riding off into the sunset getting married. (laughs) 
It's just like, run from the law. We're married, right? Yes. Fasted. The police officer's <laughs> like, nah, I heard it. Damn. It's official and everything. Whatever. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> no. Um, but like, it really makes sense when you think about it, because especially nowadays with so much income inequality happening in the world, uh, it's really common for people to do the a wedding in a way that they want to do it. Um, yeah. which may include interesting locales like an orchard or on horseback, yeah. or also they can't afford to do any of that stuff. So they're doing it nice and simple and just having a few people there, yeah. like at someone's home or I, at your I favorite would, tower. I would make the argument that differential weddings aren't necessarily a function of income inequality. Although I would argue that the marketing behind weddings is certainly like steadfast staple of income inequality absolutely i mean like the idea of this like big blowout invite 500 people like we're all what, what is this called destination wedding yeah and like shows like bridezilla and shit like that have sort of like like um like like ratified the like extreme weddings are, are like <coughs> all the way up here sort of a thing I think that that's like a byproduct of like the marketing around wedding because like you want to do a wedding during wedding season, which means that all the venues get to charge more because it's busy time. And if you say and the like, word wedding, you, it's going to be that much more expensive. You, yeah, you you want to have like, you know, you want to have like a planner and you got to, oh, wow, you can't get the blue. You can't just get blue flowers. You got to get three different kinds of shades of blue and like all this kind of stuff. You know, and what but, are you going to feed the people? And you got to have gifts. Yeah, and you need to have I, I think that for the most part, party. people make way too much of a fuss about an event that's just one thing right yeah um so I, I like i have always been of the opinion that like the way that weddings are modernly interpreted is fucking stupid um and we it's it's more like it it's more about the marketing and the sale it's just like like yeah wedding rings like um what do you call them? Engagement rings, you know, like diamond rings and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's all very, well, it's all very marketing. It's all very like corporate yeah. marketing nonsense. You know, they're just like, it's not real love unless you have a 400 karat diamond kind of, you're just like, what? Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. And, you know? Well, and all that that is, is really just marketing. And yeah, it's, if, it's just if marketing. any listeners don't know about that, I highly recommend that you, um, look into the history of De Beers, the diamond company, yep. because really they're just artificially increasing the price on what is oh, yeah, quite honestly are like a very common stone as as you think as they seem to be in the market because of like yeah. De Beers and, and people like that. And as an American, if you're an American, uh, historically, I don't remember where I heard this a thousand years ago, but um, historically speaking, we. Um, we would give like colored stone engagement rings yeah. for a very long time until the De Beers organization was just like, hey, we're not selling enough diamonds. What if um, diamonds and love both last forever? So we make yeah. a commercial about that shit. Bam, it works. I think there's an Adam Ruins Everything episode. There might be. About I, that I, I know it's somewhere. There's we something. have a lot of people that we watch content from, so it's hard for me to pin down <laughs> who that would blurs. be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely agree you know. that as well, especially having uh, been been married twice, you yeah. being my second husband. Yeah. Second time's charm. What's up? What's up? What's um, up? It's you know, it's it's just a day to, yeah. to me. And when we yeah, got married, we definitely had, we had a, a big party. wonderful big party. Yeah, and it was but great. It was like chill. We cooked like 
all of the food yeah, well, I made. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that stuff, so, yeah, yeah. But, no, and I, and I would argue that if if you take what, like, what we currently see as the thing that's talked about with regard to weddings, the, like, the actual practice of people getting married, uh, uh, I imagine we all know at least one person who, during the last three years, was intending to get married and has either had to still wait to get married, I know several people like that, yeah. and they're still waiting, or they, like, a year and a half in, were just like, F this, we're going to a courthouse, yeah. getting hitched, and we'll have a party in three years when everything or calms Or who has had to go down, through you know? a ton of different ways to yeah. make sure that the attendants to their wedding are safe because yeah. of this panini that we happen to be living yeah, inside yeah. of. So, so, you know, I would argue that if you look at it that way, then, you know, I, I bet that historically speaking, the, like, big you know, fancy boy wedding thing was significantly less, you know, like less of a proportion of the way, of the manner in which people got married. Um, but of course, like nobody's going to write about like Jim who lives on 4th Street who married Bonnie and they have like a, a small farm. And he just like traded a, a cow to Bonnie's there's, dad. There's not a book about that <laughs> shit. But like King Henry the whatever the shit, that guy... It's like nine scholars who have PhDs just studying his yeah. wedding, you know? So, so you know, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, function of what we focus on when we write and talk totally. about these things. Yeah. You know, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, obviously big fancy weddings and like chill comboy weddings have existed side by side for, you know, centuries. Yeah. Probably since we had the yeah, millennia. <laughs> of that now somewhere along the line um these like simple handshake hand fastings if you will uh sort of added in the cord or cloth that binds the hands that's really one of the most common things that you see in hand fasting ceremonies today and uh, it's not that it wasn't common in older times it's just that it is very common as the interpretation today and hand fasting really became popularized popularized again with the rise of Wicca in the late 1970s um, because, well, Gerald Gardner had some very specific things that he wanted out of his new religion, which is totally fine. And it's really influenced a lot of modern witchcraft. I don't, I think that he would probably be pretty pleased with how much he influenced the world, but then I, I digress. Yeah. So the cord or the cloth, it's usually chosen by those who are getting hand fasted and they usually have it made or colored or whatever it is in such a way so that it has personal significance, whether that be through colors or tartans or materials used to sort of decorate the hand fasting ribbon or cloth or cord or whatever the thing is. Um, and some common things that you can do with that is you can tie that into your wedding colors. It's very common, at least in the U.S., to have wedding colors and uh, to sort of color theme everything that way. We did not have wedding colors. No. No. Well, wedding um, colors is just... In my opinion, that's just sort of like it's a practice of the business of organizing yeah. one's wedding, right? If you say like, "Hey, what kind of wedding you want?" and you're like a princess wedding, and you're like, "Okay, um, like Belle," and they're like, "No, I don't like yellow," and you're like, "Like <laughs> the Little Mermaid," and she's like, "I'm not really into like red hair or like green or whatever." And you're like, "Okay," uh. but if you're just like, "What colors?" and they're like, "Blue, green, red," okay, cool. Now we know what color flowers we have to get, what color table decorations, how we can arrange this shit, what sort of yeah. corsages or flipping bridesmaids 
of like catastrophes or <laughs> fucking whatever, right? I mean, I've seen, I've watched all those shows, like yeah. Bridezilla and and what what's that? Was that fun movie? Forty Seven Dresses or what? I love that movie. I think it's um, Twenty Seven Dresses. Twenty Seven, yeah. Forty Seven, One Hundred and Seven, whatever. It was a fun movie. Um, but like, yeah, I think that it's really, I think that a lot of that stuff is a byproduct of the simplification of like creativity with regard yeah. to planning a wedding. And I'm not saying that wedding planners don't like kick ass because they all do. And they work like super hard to like bring whatever vague, partially descriptive dream that particular person has to their wedding, you know, like monster wedding planners notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, but like still when you're like, what flower do you want? I don't like roses. I like daisies. Boom. Well, I just saved myself like 40 hours of work by now knowing yeah. all shit's got to be daisies. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So like, it just, it, it makes it easy. It makes it easy. It's the same thing. Like when you're doing marketing at a business, right? It's like, mm -hmm. Hey, you want social media posts? What colors do you want? You got these four colors. Cool. You got, you got this specific font. Dope. You yeah. got this product prime product focus line dope now i can pump out like a thousand of these things it's not an issue yeah you know what i mean so like defining characteristics allow you to organize the process yeah totally so choosing your own wedding colors can be done for that absolutely and other ways that you can decide what to do with the hand fasting cord is you can choose colors that have magical or spiritual meaning so like you know whatever colors you particularly resonate with on that yeah. spiritual level. You can have cloth or ribbon or yarn that's been made by family members or from them, especially if you have like a deceased loved one. Um, it is popular to use uh, strips of old clothing of theirs in a hand fasting cord. Hmm. It can also in include little charms or stones or shells and the cloth can be embroidered or not. You can tie it around your hands any way you want. There was like legitimately 12 different methods of tying the hand fasting knot on the hands that I yeah. saw. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot of knot work. Yeah. 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 Uh, and when, so that's just the cord, but when it comes down to the whole wedding thing, uh, or the hand fasting thing, you can really just sort of like do it like a wedding. And it's really just sort of like whatever you want. It's basically your marriage vows. There's no specific thing that you have to say, or that you have yeah. to do, or that you have to incorporate. So that's the beauty of hand fasting is you get to make it whatever you want it to be. And the way that hand fasting has evolved over time is so that it doesn't even have to be religious, but it can be. And if it, and if you are pagan and your spouse is Catholic, that doesn't matter either because you can sort of modify it to be whatever you want. That's really the coolest thing about hand fasting is it's only it's exactly what you want it to be. And it's only as religious as you want it to be. Um, so hand fasting though, that said is usually done outdoors, but that's a modern thing. Um, as you know, like we just talked about in the yeah. past, it was really common to have it inside of the bride's home or a tavern. Yeah. Um, there are some people who choose to cast a circle for that. And you can do that too. Some people have the participants and witnesses gather in a circle around the bride and groom during the hand fasting. Um, and you can also have an item that signifies each element and a, as well as a representation for the goddess and God, if you like. So do you want it to be like a crazy dope ritual? Go for it. Yeah. Do you yeah. want it to not be that way and have it look like a traditional wedding ceremony? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you want it to be yanked, cord yanked out of a jukebox in the middle of a bar? 
go for it. Get permission first, but go for it. Yeah, make sure yeah. you're also not just like ripping. That's why I said that's, out of that's, a that's, why, that's why I said get yeah. permission first. But like, if that's the thing, right? I mean, really, weddings in general, bigger than hand fasting, is kind of whatever you want it to be within reason. Don't be an asshole. Definitely within reason. Yeah, I feel like if we should have learned anything from the early 2000s Bridezilla, whatever, t- like TV craze. Phenomenon? No, no, it's like a TV Curse. Um, yeah. Is, uh, d- don't be an ass. Uh, we shouldn't have had to learn that lesson, but well, here we are. Here we are. Having to say it out loud yet again. <laughs> don't be an ass. Just wait, guys. I'm sure that we'll be talking about fire safety. Yeah, right. Uh- <laughs> Have your drinks at the ready. So um, like we mentioned before and have mentioned in in many of our previous episodes, we had our own sort of hand fasting wedding. Um, But we didn't really do, you know, we didn't tie the cord. So what happened is John researched. hands, karate style. No, but your no, dad. No, I don't even take karate. Your dad would have done <laughs> I studied kung fu. Um, so <laughs> John researched old Norse ceremonies and tried to find as much information about what a traditional heathen Norse ceremony would have looked like. Yeah. And with that, he wrote our entire ceremony. Yeah. Uh, of course, I had input on it. Yeah, she wasn't but, allowed. Uh, Only me. Most important person. Pow. Um, Groomzilla. I had to think of what the male side of a fucking wedding was. Oh, I was just like, dude, bride, brood. What? What is this? Yeah, groom. The word is groom, groom. Jonathan. Yes, the word is yeah. groom. Groom. Whatever. Zilla. Yeah. Uh. So in so so in our wedding, not only did John write the whole ceremony as close as he could from old Norse ceremonies um, to reconstruct it, but we also honored several gods. So yep. we honored Odin and Frigg and Thor, Freya, Var. We also um, honored the four elements, spirits linked to us, like spirit guides and our ancestors. And we did that whole thing. Uh, And I actually skimmed through the ceremony that you wrote while I was doing the notes for this. I still have it, yeah. It's probably Um, somewhere. I keep everything, but I have like 90 hard drives. So everything's just sort of like organized in a blur. Because I was like, what did we do? Because that was only like five years ago, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, So in it, we had an exchanging of a sword. Yes. We also had an oath ring, yes. but didn't we burn that afterwards? Was yes. that the thing? Okay, I was reading that and I was like, oath ring? What did we use as a yeah. ring? I don't even remember. We used a... A, <clears throat> a wreath. A wreath of Franklin. A grapevine wreath. Yeah. And then we had little scraps of paper and um, people wrote stuff. Yeah, people wrote like... like we wrote wishes. like our marriage vows yeah. and put it on Yeah, there. people wrote like 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 blessings like you know you like wish somebody a happy marriage or whatever that's called yeah um so people wrote like those on there and tied it on there and then like right after we got married we went camping and so we like burned that shit with everybody who uh went camping but it was like we got like not shitty paper and we had like you know so it was like good quality paper and we and it was like it it was like a it was like the kind of the kind of uh vine ring that like is designed to not like emit toxins. It wasn't like dyed. Yeah. It wasn't like it didn't have like a metal um, like catch on it or anything like that. So because because we, we we did this with the intent of burning it. That was part of the like known ritual mm-hmm. going in. So we made sure that it was like set up to like you know be done good. And then we did a sword exchange, um, which was like a traditional thing that I looked up and I thought was really dope, especially as a like 
monstrous collector of weapons. I have like a sword behind me there. This right here is the sword that she gave me that just sits next to my uh yeah, Camera and for stuff. those of you that are listening to this, not watching us on YouTube, it's, it's like, like a, a Roman it's like a Roman, style sword. Like a Roman style sword. It's a nice sword. I like it. Yeah. It's fun. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then I gave her a familial sword that I got from my dad. Um, you which know, is now called the Sword Father. Which is now called the Sword Father. Yeah. Because, because during the ceremony, I said it backwards. he said it backwards. Yep. Well, I was... He was going to say sword of my father and he trashed. said sword father I instead. I was trashed in that ceremony yeah. and I had a lot of memory work to do. Luckily, I am shockingly good at memory work. Yeah. Even when trashed. Yeah. Well, and we had uh, John's dad be our <laughs> He did. Yeah, he did the he, ceremony. It, he did the stuff to make sure that he could legally do it in the state that we live in and yep. did it. Yep. We have some really great yep. pictures. And we had of all of wedding. our friends and family. We were like, we're doing this big viking wedding and so we had like banners hung up in the hall like in the in the like dining room area the dining hall that we were in uh because we rented the local mason's lodge so we had like the the like banners hung up in the dining hall and like we hung a bunch of lights it took us like a day to decorate um and we like hung a bunch of lights we almost broke a table with the number of bottles of alcohol yeah, we got because so we, we only asked for alcohol yeah we asked for people gift. to bring us the strangest alcohol that they could because we're adults who had already lived together, we already have... St I don't need a new blender. We have a blender. Yeah. In fact, I think at the time, we had three blenders. Two that worked and one that ran off of gas and still doesn't work. I haven't fixed that yet. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a camping blender that uses, like, a like a chainsaw motor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like... So, like, like, the more we talked about it, it was like, we don't need any of this dumb stuff. Like, we don't need any of this, like... Well, and we had also... Whatever. So, the, the meet-cute sort of behind this is we had been dating, and this was, like, right around the time that you had moved in with me. Yeah. And we were getting ready for my birthday party, which is, like, right around Beltane. And we're in the kitchen uh, of the old house that we lived in. And John's like, so I was thinking we'd get married in, like, August. And I'm just... Because we had talked about getting married before. Yeah. Uh, and... Surprise. Uh, I was, like this august and he was like yes this august silly why would we wait a year and i was like okay let's yeah. do it so people we are put engaged for too long these days. <laughs> so we put confusing. together a, a a pretty extravagant wedding that we did basically all of the work for ourselves yeah. Yeah. within three months yeah um so we, we have had friends over like every single weekend for decorating because all of the decorations were handmade yeah um we, I, like, I had some friends who had, because I built, like, this wooden sword and spear rack to yeah. sit, like, in the front of the hall. So I had, like, friends, like, let me borrow all of your swords and spears to, like, load this rack up. And, like, these big canvas banners that we had people come over and paint. And then after the ceremony, they were able to take home with them. Um, like as like a keepsake and whatnot. Yeah, we made and a bunch of flower crowns. Made like a bunch that of flower too. crowns. We made like we got like like mugs with like name tag on it, like silver sharpies. So you like write your name on it. These like with like, like leather. Like yeah, like leather. Keep. We still have some of them somewhere. wandering around yeah. the house. And like so, like we also did all of the food. I mean, obviously we had like friends and family help, but like none of it was like catered. We just like. Like, I made a traditional Irish stout cake, which is, like, the heartiest cake ever. Yeah. I love this cake so much. It's, like, a billion calories a square inch. Um, but, so I made, like, a traditional Irish stout cake for the wedding cake, which we ate for a long time. Like a week. Um, and it was, it was moist the whole time. It was the best. 
Oh my god, I, so I never much. top how good that cake we turned out. I made like, so much of it though. We just had it like in just like a, a plastic bag. bag. It was just in like a plastic like, grocery bag. You just like just take like, a handful and you would just eat it. Yeah, it was nuts. I did um Scottish eggs and then I did festival bread. That was the very first time that yep. I had done festival bread, yep. aside from like test recipes. Yep. Um, you know, so I looked into like Scottish stuff and like we had Scotch like, a eggs, Scottish a festival feast. bread, and like big, big turkey legs, mold wine for days and uh, long, beer from the days. brewery that I work <laughs> at. And so we had like- And was, I made a bunch was, of cheese It was a big fest. Too. Also, yeah. you know, we did, and I'm gonna recommend this to everybody, is uh, none of this fucking stupid speech shit. I think maybe we had like two people oh, talk. Oh, we didn't do speeches after. But, but basically yes. there was no talking. It was like, hey, we're married now. Thank you for shutting up for five minutes. Now we're sorry about that. <laughs> let's go listen to some, I set up a sound system in the room, in the other room. It was yeah. just like, let's go listen to music and party and like, you know, like clear everything up, get yeah. everything cleaned up. Now well, the kids and, can play uh, in the room. And we you didn't know. have enough room for everybody to sit. No. Uh, because we, you have we, a very large family. I have a huge family and, and we, have we invited a, huge a ton of friends. Of friends. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't have enough room for everybody to sit all at once. So it didn't make sense for us to have speeches and everything. So people yeah. just sort of floated in and yeah. out and around yeah, and well, about. Yeah, it was just, I mean, we weren't, we were like sitting up at the front the whole time, like, come, like, bask in our love I mean, or whatever we the fuck. Did, we sat up front yeah. for a, a while, but we also wandered around a lot. We I sure sword did. fought some kids with, uh, yeah. with lightsabers because our thing was like, hey, this is the theme for our wedding. Uh, we're not going to make you dress up this way, but we want you to dress up some way. So cosplay's welcome. So some people wore like kilts and some people wore their like Viking stuff. One of your coworkers wore um, his whole family. They were dressed like Jedi's yeah. from Star Wars. Yeah, whole family was Jedi. We had like people dressed up like elves with like pointy ears and like bows and stuff. We so had people like just wearing regular clothes. Very too. eclectic yeah. party. Very eclectic party. It but, was very us. Uh, another thing we did was we had a hammer of Thor. We actually yep. call it the wedding hammer now. Yep. So we use, I still it's use like it. a, a three pound sledge. Yeah. And um, we use it to sort of bring Thor into it because Thor is the God of contracts. Yep. And so we wanted to appease him. And then uh, one thing that I worked on while John was doing all of this researching is I worked on embroidering matching outfits with kilts that is his family tartan. Yep. Um, and we still have the outfits and we still have the embroidery and um it's uh it's super fun so that yeah. is our hand fasting yeah. wedding my brother-in-law painted you. the uh birds on the side of my head that was before yeah. i had my raven tattoos i have ravens tattooed on the side of my head uh and down into my neck and my brother-in-law used like um like an some sort of uh, yeah an eyeliner pin and like like day of hand drew these two awesome ravens on the sides of my head yeah um and that, that got me on the like, all right, well, I'm getting head tattoos now. Like, I can't, I can't say no to this. That looked badass, man. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a and really cool for ceremony. us, man. we didn't do rings. We, well, sort of, we didn't do rings. Yeah. We got um, tattoos. Yeah, we have matching tattoos. Matching tattoos yeah. uh, on our hands. I work with power tools a lot. And I don't need, I don't need to have. I don't need to be gloved because of yeah. my brain. Well, and my job then, as well as my job now, I do a lot of typing for a living. And it is shocking how quickly uh, having a ring makes your fingers tired on your hand or decreases accuracy of your typing. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. So that is uh, hand fasting. That was hand fasting yeah. and our particular wedding ceremony. 
Yeah, which we have which we've talked about in a lot of other episodes, but never really in as much depth as we have here. Yeah. So if you guys have any questions about hand fasting or what we did, definitely hit us up. I yeah. know that we've got a ton of pictures on our social media. If you scroll back like five years. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah, like five years. In fact, I don't even know that I have any pictures of the wedding up on the website. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, hand passing. So let's move into love magic. Yeah, love magic. Pew, pew, pew. I don't know why I did that. I okay. Just, it felt right. So before we talk about the history of love magic and kind of like what that looks like, uh, let's first talk about the eth- the ethicalness of love magic. The this ethicality? A, the ethicality. That's definitely you know. not the word. I'm, I'm pretty certain I just made that word. <laughs> I, I want to keep trying to make up words, but I, but at some point I feel like I'm going to make a word up that actually means something else. And it's going to be horribly offensive. So I'm going to stop. Yeah. So we're going to go with our love is love magic uh, ethical. Our yeah. love spells ethical. And um, there's been a lot of talk about this in the last couple of years about the ethicalness and the morality of love magic. So really sort of uh, some keys here is. Um, if you're performing a spell to influence someone who isn't aware of that spell, are you messing with their free will or are you causing them harm by making a spell that has intentions for them? And each person will have their own feelings about this, which will influence their position on love spells. And some people believe that the only safe love spells are self love spells because influencing others in any way is wrong. Some also liken it to a spell used to get a job. So if you use a spell to get a job, that means that somebody else doesn't get that job and that could harm that other person because now they may not have, now they may have difficulty surviving and thriving because Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot. It's an interesting way to look at that. I would, I mean, like, I feel like the conclusion of that statement is regardless of whether you did a spell, if you got a job, are you taking a job out of somebody else's hands by you having that job? Like, should that job go to somebody who needs it more? That's a fairly complicated moral quandary. Um, I mean, my my personal ethical opinion on love spells is very like. um love magic if both affected parties by the spell are like in on it is cool but like the like cartoon cupid's arrow like like i'm gonna do a spell and force somebody to love me is um fucking incredibly unethical and amoral Mm -hmm. right because you're forcing somebody to do a thing that they would not traditionally do but, you know, I mean, I guess everybody can have their own opinion about stuff that makes sense. Yeah, everybody definitely has their own opinion, <laughs> much like hexing. Uh, everybody has a, their very own personal um, reason for why yeah. they way think they are or are not ethical. I have done both life. spells. That I've done both types of love spells where the person that I am doing them with is aware of the spell and is helping to strengthen those intentions. John and I do that fairly frequently, actually. Uh, and I've also done it to try and increase somebody else's affections towards me in a way where they didn't know. And, oh boy, um, that did not end up well in that relationship. That definitely failed, obviously, because that person is in here sitting next to me doing this. Oh, yes. Or am I? 
no, no, no. It's, it was definitely. <laughs> <I wasn't laughs> it was there. before we even met. I, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, really, for me, the key for are they ethical or not is to having realistic intentions and expectations, yeah, as well as boundaries. So, if you have someone who who you're basically being friend zoned by and trying to do love magic on them, like that's not cool because you're really trying to influence something that isn't there. I think overall for me personally in the ethical debate on love magic is, is, are there already feelings there and you are working to enhance them or are you looking to manufacture something that is not there? Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's kind of the line. It's like, it's like, am I doing a thing on me to make myself more attractive to this person? That's different than making this person want to... You know what? I'm going to say... I'm thinking this in my head. I'm going to say you should do the embarrassment test. If there was a video camera, video cameraing you do that love spell, and then you showed it to the person you intended to affect or whatever with that love spell, are they going to be upset about that shit? Because if they are going to be upset about that shit, or if them finding out about that shit is going to make you, like, embarrassed... The embarrassment, you know, the embarrassment yeah. test. If you're going to be embarrassed if that shit comes out to light, then that's probably it's probably not a great move, my dude. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like that's see, that's for me. That's where like like there's a there's a function of hexing and a function of of love magic where it's like, well, you're both in it together. So if either party learns about it because they're already part of it, then that's fine. If you're hexing somebody who's like a jackass to you and um they find out about it and they're like, I heard that you hex me. You can be like, well, you're a jackass. I'm not embarrassed by that knowledge. That's fine. But like, if I'm doing something sketch, I would be embarrassed by, by them finding out about that yeah. shit. It's probably not morally okay. Like that's sort of like the test in my mind Yeah, is like, and do I disagree even, with it yeah. morally? And you can even really take that to an even simpler level and think about would I, how would I react if I learned that somebody did that yeah. about me yeah right uh, that should that should happen to everything you say and it, do in your life yes. right is do you want that to happen to you no well then fine don't do it to somebody else man yeah what cheese and crackers that should be obvious as heck we should have learned that in, like kindergarten it certainly is not we <laughs> have definitely not learned if this oh my uh, God, humans if this uh pangea has taught us anything yeah we have not learned that so anyway that is uh the part about ethics and love magic so yeah. let's get into the what's your stuff. opinion on it Comment below. What's your opinion on, on love magic? Where do you draw the line? This I'm very, very interested in learning. because I, I would feel love like, to hear. I, I yeah. feel like everybody's going to have very secular opinions on this based on their experience, both magically and with love, right? Like if you, every relationship has been solid gold, class acts, only ending on high notes, whatever, then I think you might have a different opinion than somebody who's been like dragged through the mud several times. Or, or, or something to that extent, right? So that, I would be very interested to know insofar as like, sh- you know, share as much their comments and their public. So either DM us if you don't want to share it publicly <laughs> or share it publicly and like be aware that it's public. Yeah, I'm not trying to like out people. That's not what I'm doing here. I just want to know like what your, where like what's your opinion on the ethics of love magic and where do you draw that ethical line? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you are on our Patreon, feel free to have this conversation in our Discord. But wherever this conversation exists, just remember, like, these are people. Yeah. It's the internet. Everything you do on the internet is public. Don't be very aware of that. Be aware of that and also be nice. Yeah. Be safe, but be nice. Yeah. We're not trying to be mean. Yeah. Rude boys.
<laughs> All right. So what about the ancient Greeks? <laughs> I think you're probably asking, um, either because that's the header on the page or because I've been talking about the magical Greek papyri, like pretty much nonstop. It's because for I'm the psychic. Last week. I don't know about that. No, it's because I can read it on the page. Yeah, you definitely read the header <laughs> on the page. Uh, and you've definitely been listening to me talk about how wild these spells are. So. I'm listening. <laughs> that's why we got Bluetooth headphones. So I don't have to tune it out. Are you making a Raycon commercial? We don't have it. We don't have a sponsor. Sound can You can't tune make it out. a commercial for someone who's not sponsoring us. We yeah, don't have what's any up? Sponsors. Shout out, sponsor us. But like we both use Raycons. Uh, they're pretty great. They are seriously no sponsor, but yeah. they're awesome. Uh, and I have them in red, and I love it. Um, anyway, so in ancient Greece, there is a ton of evidence of love and sex magic, uh, and it was likely a part of their everyday life. This is something that was uh, pretty much like kept on the DL up until like the 20th century. See, I did it there. Um, where <laughs> when having non-Christian religion stuff being talked about was not quite so taboo. Um, and the, especially the magical side of things as um, modern magic and particularly ceremonial magic took off. So it's sort of looking at you sort of have two different pieces of magic in ancient Greece. And when I say magic, I really mean like spells, not like day-to-day -day magic and like leaving an offering and stuff like that. So you had philia uh, type magic, which was typically used by women. And it was mostly to keep a man around and happy. Um, and most of this is because women weren't free. So having a man who you were married to wasn't really a choice. And because it wasn't really a choice, you wanted to keep them as happy as possible, either A, because you love them, or B, because you wanted to make your home life easier. Sure. Uh, and then there was also Eros magic, which was primarily used by men and prostitutes who actually were closer to being free and they live closer to the way that men did. Um, and this type of magic was used to increase lust as well as to fulfill their sexual needs. And we do see examples of Eros magic with women, um, either towards other women in the same sex type of, um, I want to say relationships, but we actually don't really know how well accepted those were in ancient times. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if that is, was prevalent, whether it was, whether it was okay, whether it was considered an oddity, we don't really know. But there are examples of, of either one. So um, in particular, most of the magic that we know about the ancient Greeks come from the Greek magical papyri. And there are literally hundreds of spells on these papyri. So this is like, there's just like papyri that a bunch of random people wrote spells down on that have been uh, uncovered basically through time. So they don't have one author and they're not about one thing. And it's certainly not written like a grimoire or a book. It's just like people finding post-its, yeah. <laughs> ancient post-its and collecting them. Uh, and there are about 80 love spells in this list of like a couple hundred papyri. So that's a pretty big portion of these spells are tied to love. And some of them are very simple and some of them are incredible incredibly complex. Um, <clears throat> one in particular that dates from about the fourth century common era um, was a woman named Sophia loved another woman named Gorgonia. And she cast a spell that uses really like sort of forceful uh, language. And a lot of these spells in the magical papyri use this sort of like 
forceful language. And I'll, 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 I'll give you like a little bit of an excerpt from that in just a second, but you have to keep in mind that when you read these as a modern day person, it feels it hits different basically um, than it would have back then. But also the Greeks were, well, and it's a translation. It's and a you know translation. How, you know how translations work. Sometimes good. Sometimes We've all use Google translate and literally a lie. Actual <laughs> scholars who translate things are better, but at the same yeah. time, we don't live in the time that they lived in. So there's a lot of cultural differences yeah. that are being missed. Yeah. Um, but you know, like silly colloquialisms, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. But also, um, it, the Greeks were very melodramatic. If any of you've ever read a Greek anything play about the Greeks, it's or anything like that, they were <laughs> very, very, very dramatic. So that's part of it. And another part of it is that in ancient times, and in particular in ancient Greece and ancient Rome, they felt like the more forceful the words, the more intense the words would be, the better the result of your spell. Because you're basically harnessing your intent through your words. Yeah. Uh, sure, as opposed to like a whole bunch of visualization. It seems to me in reading these, what they're really relying on here is intense, like intense words. And rather than visualization, everything with magic nowadays, we we talk about visualization and we do this too. I do this too. Mm. Um, but none of that <laughs> exists in the magical papyri. Um, and that's not to say that they didn't care about visualization back then. It could just be that it was considered usual. So you didn't have it. Like, in fact, a lot of these spells yeah, say you don't, have to, you don't have to write down picture a giraffe, picture that giraffe <laughs> riding a unicycle. Now, welcome to the scary book. It's not, you don't need to say that shit out loud, right? You know what I'm talking about. Scary door. Um, <laughs> no. Somebody out there probably gets that reference. It's cool if you don't. Anywho. Um, yeah. So obviously, like a spell book generally gives you ingredients, words for a spell. What the spell's trying to do, right? It's not going to tell you like, what, like, so, like for the most part, like what to picture or like. Yeah. What do you do and with your hands? A lot do you of these... do this with your hands? Do you just <laughs> yeah. Hold, do you hold put them, up, them in your pocket? Hold them real high and say this out loud. Do you got to do like hand jutsus? Like what? What's up? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like a lot of times that stuff, especially in a practice that's like, um, has some function of commonality to it. You kind of just like, don't write that down. Right. Or yeah. like or like like, you know, think about you, you should be able to find something in your own practice or like when you think about it, if you think about the way that you would describe to somebody like you're 100 percent like this is how you would do it. But like in actuality, you do like a specific hand thing every time you do it. You just don't remember it or like you always, you know, point your incense to the north. But like, you know, you don't think about it. So it's not written down or whatever. Yeah. You know, and when you think about the intensity of words setting intention. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just like we visualize, but visualization is just setting intention. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, like 50 percent of the time, I don't use extreme visualization. Most of the time I do not as well. You know, that's just it's that's like it's just not a thing. I'm not like screaming the spell, but I mean, technically, if intent equals power, then loud spell crafting <laughs> is probably more powerful than soft spoken spell crafting. I don't know. I've always found that I have better results like a, with spells like where I'm sort of like whispering them intently just like, to myself. You're like, ah, just like screaming into the woods. 
probably more powerful. I don't know, maybe yeah. not. Um, or you're just annoying your neighbors. It's just, it's really kind of to each person. So yeah. I guess that gives you a small snapshot into us as people. Uh, <laughs> but I'm in the, <laughs> just in case you didn't catch that. In the Greek magical papyri, uh, there's a lot of spells that end with, and then do the usual stuff. That sounds right, yeah. Or or they start with saying, do the usual thing, and yeah. then this is the spell that you're using for this. So it's yeah. kind of like when we say, like, cast a circle, but, you know, we don't know what their usual stuff is yeah. because everybody's well, saying do cast the usual cast a circle thing. is like, that is such a perfect example of what I was talking about. Cast a circle is the most non-descriptive way to say do the usual stuff while yeah. still technically feeling like you described an action that you did not at all, right? Because like how I would cast a circle or or more importantly, like like cleanse and prepare a space to do yeah. magic is nowhere, it's, it's not even like remotely the same as the way that you do it. No, and actually right? like, the way that I do it at all is, the same. is considerably different from when it's just me doing magic or you and I doing magic or us doing a ritual with other people. Yeah, totally, And totally. Um, it's, all, it's also so changed do, a do lot the for usual me throughout stuff. the years. So, not helpful, not descriptive. You know, Cast uh, a circle. <laughs> not helpful, not descriptive. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so uh, back to the magical terms. So in the about the 4th century CE, this woman named Sophia loved a woman named Gorgonia, and she casts a spell. And part of that spell um, says, it's funny, I have, a, I have a typo here. It says bun, but it should say burn. Oh, I just assumed <laughs> it was like a cute nickname. Nope, nope, nope. Um... It, it actually, I think it makes it more like kitchen magic the way that I have it uh, misspelled because I have this first word is burn. Uh, so burn, set on fire, inflame her soul, heart, liver, spirit with love from Sophia. And there's another one that is um, about a woman, a man casting a spell about a woman. And he's saying, um, let her not think of anyone else. If she thinks of them, let that let let all thoughts of anyone else leave her mind. She can only think of me. All of her waking moments are about me. All of her thoughts are about me until it consumes her soul. Yeah. And that seems like from a modern perspective, you're like, hey, yo, stalker, what are you doing? Yeah, it sounds super crazy. Uh <laughs> but also, have you literally read anything <laughs> ever that's Greek? Because they're that intense about fucking everything. Yes. Like ancient Greece ancient Greek yes. literature yeah. is always very intense. You're like, oh, shit. Okay, man. Yeah. And I uh, <laughs> I am, I'm very into reading these Greek magical papyri right right now. And, and I, I, I've known about them for a while, but only just sort of fell into them for this research for this episode. So if you guys want to hear more of these, uh, let us know in the comments or on our social or by emailing us on our website, um, which is strunnerdive.com. I already did one um, TikTok about it and I'll probably do some more. Yeah. Um, and I also found uh, there's a couple of love spells that are attributed to Aphrodite. And uh, one of them is an Aphrodite's name love spell. So this one was kind of interesting because this one really sort of shows a brief snapshot of what a lot of these spells were like. And honestly, a lot of these spells feel very similar to spells that we would use or write in modern day times. So the spell, the TLDR of the spell is be pure for three days. I don't know what they specifically mean by being pure, um, but it comes up in a whole bunch of spells. Uh, so be pure for three days, 
Then make an offering of frankincense and call Aphrodite's secret name. And it gives the name, but I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, so approach the woman that you are in love with and then say the name seven times in your soul as you gaze at the woman you're in love with. And in this way, it will succeed, but do it for seven days. All right, so in my mind... <laughs> This dude is like unnecessarily ritual bathing multiple times a day for three solid days. And then like you're doing the offerings and whatnot. And then just walking up to a lady and just like. <laughs> just intensely staring at her. Because, you know, he's saying it in his soul, not like out loud. So that's mm -hmm. fucking weird. And he's just staring at her and then he leaves. And she's like, oh, what the fuck was that about? And then like the next day he just shows up right back at it. And she's like, who, who are you? What, what is happening right now? And then he just gets done staring and runs away for seven days. At the end of seven days, she's going to be like, yeah, let's go on a date. Shit. I don't know what's happening here, but this is it's very intense. Whatever this is. <laughs> or it's very creepy. Yeah. Or it's very creepy. Or it's very creepy. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, it's it sounds way. crazy. Yeah. So um, that is the that is the magical papyri stuff. Also, I didn't I know wanna... Aphrodite had a secret name. Uh, a lot of these spells were written after Christianity became like a big thing um, before mm. the like quote Christianization of Europe, there's your drinking game for Christianization of Europe. I wasn't sure it was going to happen in this episode, yeah. um, but uh, it did. So here we are. Um, but like a lot of these spells were written after, you know, in, in that time frame when Christianity was really becoming big. So a lot of these names were written. Um, a lot of these like secret names and sort of like, sort of like foreign chants, I guess you could say, are written in Hebrew uh, because that would have that would have been like exotic and like magical and mysterious yeah, sure. in a similar way to when you watch witchcraft movies today, they often speak in Latin. It's yeah. not like it's not like spirits got to like ancient Rome and they were like, whoa, this language is dope, dude. This is yeah. the only one we're going to answer to for the rest of time. That's just like me paraphrasing a meme about the devil. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, it, so that's that's pretty much what it is. But yeah. I don't know that it's a secret name for Aphrodite. It's just what that person thought was magical and held import for them. So if you think Aphrodite's secret name is like super hot shell lady, I mean, sure. Yeah, whatever you gotta do. I'm not it's gonna... just gonna take longer for you to say that seven times while staring intently three feet away from somebody's face. <laughs> yeah. or you because just... I imagine it's that intense, <laughs> right? I like like in my mind, it's like absurd video game intensity all the time yeah. in ancient Greece. It right? probably it probably was. <laughs> so moving forward in history to medieval times and as the Christianization of Europe moved on, having sex without being in a church recognized marriage was a huge no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the emphasis shifted to marriage, not burn this woman's soul with lust for me yeah. but like who dat can i marry them basically yeah. Yeah. um and the also Greeks, trying so much to sex influence that the christians someone. were like we gotta shut this down yeah this is unmanageable yeah yeah <laughs> so most of the love magic in medieval times had to do with getting getting a woman to love you yeah. and i say very specifically a woman to love you because a lot of these spells were sort of written down and passed around in ways that, like we talked about old grimoires. dudes in medieval times were dicks. Well, most dudes in medieval times, well, I don't want to say most dudes in medieval times. In medieval times, it was more likely for a man to know how to read than a woman. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of like ritualistic magic was really more popular for men to have just because of that ability to read. Yeah. Um, whereas it was believed that women did certain types of magic. However, that aside that most men were doing magic and we talk about in uh, the the shadow the book of shadows grimoires episode that um, you know like most people in the church back in medieval times and, and earlier in the dark ages were the ones who were writing and distributing magical grimoires um, so the common belief is that only women did magic even though it's pretty out there it's pretty like standard knowledge that men did most of the magic because of the ability to read. Um, And it was really common for that, for most medieval people to believe that not only were women, the primary ones doing magic, but courtesans and prostitutes were especially doing the magic because nobody would want to have sex with them otherwise. Right. What? Oh my God. I've never heard that. And that is, that is some low Jack bullshit, right? (laughs) Let me tell you what. You're like, oh, hey, listen, this super hot courtesan, totally not my thing. Did not want to do this. Then she was like, Ooh, got me with the magic. Yeah. Had to do it. I don't know. That, wow. That is, remember earlier when I said that dudes in the Middle Ages were dicks? Mm-hmm. Point in fucking case right there. Exactly. Wow. That's banana. Absolute bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that being said, in the Middle Ages, um, uh, the type of magic that women did um that was like commonly done is sort of what we would consider like kitchen-ish magic now. It has to do with herbs and it has to do with remedies and that sort of thing. And being an herbalist in the middle ages was an acceptable pastime and profession for anyone, not just women, but it was very common for women to do that. Cause they're the ones that are at home all day and they're just like picking flowers or yeah. whatever, I guess. I don't know. They were definitely not just picking flowers or whatever, but that's <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no. So they were um, keeping farms and shit running, and like yeah. Now, as as the Christianization of Europe continued and um, things went further, and we sort of have that like worrying about the devil sort of thing, uh, we have sort of a shift in this. So in 1487, there is a book that was called the Malleus Maleficarum, which uh, means the hammer of witches. And that book opens with a, a quote that says, all witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which in women is insatiable. Huh. Which I think is especially hilarious um, because nowadays when you hear about any married couple in a sitcom, they're like, this wife, she doesn't have sex anymore. And well, uh, yeah, it's not even it's not. No, 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 no. It's not even that. It's it's like even if you think about like early, like like late 19th, early 20th century, like normalized, whatever it's, it, you know, like in this in the what is this mid 1400s? Late late 1400s. They're like, the ladies, they're too lustful. You got to shut them down. It's too much. And like, you know, jump cut 400 years later. And they're like, ladies, they got nothing. No, no desire for none of this stuff. It's all dudes. We're the ones that want this and have this and and do all this. And the ladies, they just, they got nothing. Sometimes they get crazy. You got to go to a doctor. I visit that doctor a lot. I know this. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's weird that we like, as a culture, entirely flip that. I mean, but whatever. 
we do a lot of stupid shit. So. Yes, we do. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't witchcraft and that there wasn't magic stuff. Um, but a lot of this love magic stuff was people were just like okay with it and in particular when you were looking at like magic that would influence a marriage or divination associated with that or with agricultural practices those just sort of go hand in hand with the way that they were culturally accepted in uh, medieval times it was like pretty okay like yeah. it, you were a witch if you were like you know trying to figure out what the weather was going to be like and using magic methods. Yeah. Um. Well, well, and like herbalism was like a practice of, of like medicine and needed. So that way you're like, like lower tier populace doesn't die. Cause they can't like afford doctors. Yeah. And we didn't understand and medicine like at all then. You know? So medicine then was a yeah. lot like, it's like that Thor thing. Like it's such advanced technology that it seemed to be magic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so well, there's that. And, and a lot of it, I mean, it's, it, and I would say, especially with love magic, right? A lot of it became like charms. Yeah. Right. Oh, this is like a, like a charm or like the, like, you know, the knight with his sweetie scarf tied around his whatever the heck before he rides off into battle. I mean, that's those those, those are magic, but we've just kind of rebranded them. So that way the Christians and the church and shit didn't burn you and your wife to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. So or like rocks or what, you know. Yeah. Cages with metal spikes. They were very creative back then. Yes. Um, they had too much but, free time. Yeah. Jeez. For that stuff. But uh, yeah. So like a lot of. And I would argue that a lot of the like magical, like a lot of the kind of pseudo magical, still common love based things, love charms and, you know, all, all that, all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff really exists as a side effect of like love magic always existing and needing a place for expression. But like you can't, you can't, you know, you can't like mix up herbs and like do a spell in the woods with a pot and like dance around or some shit because then they're going to be like the devil. But, you yeah. know, if you like sew a, a potpourri perfumed sachet and you wear that so you smell good. Isn't that just magic with like more steps, man? I mean, in a way, perfume <laughs> you know what I mean? is that way. Yeah, that's much. what I'm, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like so much of what we think of as just like romantic gestures or like common relationship practices or even the rituals within and around like dating both modernly and like earlier. Uh, really, I think a lot of those you can see have sort of like an almost mystical sort of basis in their logic. Yeah. And again, I think that's just, it's just very smart rebranding. Even if the uh, methods by which you're doing it are like very mundane. So in yeah. the early aughts, there was a like super popular trend that happened of wearing uh, like pheromone perfume. So mm. I had some of this pheromone perfume. It smelled like green apples. It was fantastic. I didn't even mm. entirely like, green apple is not a scent I would choose to wear generally, but because it said like pheromones, a Jolly Rancher green apple or yeah. like an actual fucking green apple. No, like a Jolly Rancher green apple. It was fantastic. Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> it's a very bold perfume choice, Cotton. Exactly, exactly. So I had this stuff, and it was pheromones. And here's the thing: I don't know if it was actually pheromones. This was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Um. So. It was popular and I worked in retail. Yeah, so it's just a cool thing. So I was like, obviously I'm going to try this. I also had perfume that smelled like, uh, that also smelled like fresh baked cookies. Um, and you know what? Let me tell you when I wore either the fresh baked 
cookie or the pheromone perfume. I'm going to say pheromone with quotes just because I don't, I have yeah. no way of the, proving the that it was. pheromone branded perfume. <laughs> yeah. Um, people were nicer to me. Sure. Yeah. And, well, I mean, you smelled like, like a Jolly Rancher. Who doesn't like or fucking I smelled green like apple cookies. Jolly Ranchers? Yeah. <laughs> like, you just, you wear those shoulder <laughs> pads, you know, because a few years ago was the 80s. You just stuff some <laughs> Toll House cookies underneath those shoulder pads. <laughs> Some who's the who's the cookie lady in the in the mall? Miss Fields? Uh, Is that what those cookies yeah, are I called? Think it's Ms. Fields. You know, stuff some like Miss Fields cookies <laughs> under your shoulder pads. Now you're a power business lady. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, but here's the thing, and specifically with the pheromone perfume, but like, um, like the way that people were nicer to me if this were like. Um, and I wasn't even doing these with like magical intent or anything like that. Sure, I was just wearing it every cool. day because I had to work and I might as well have people may be nicer to me because I work with the public and it's awful. Yeah. Um, like it, it, I, it was almost as if magic was happening. Yeah. So there's sort of a lot of that. Um, well, thing and that it's, goes into it's, it. it's real easy to make observation bias in these sort of situations. Like, like, and, and I don't know. I don't know what the like long-term outcome of the whole pheromone perfume thing was. Cause I remember the whole like humans don't have pheromones. Humans definitely have pheromones, pheromone perfumes. They had those, like, I remember watching a TV series, like a, like a 60 minutes Dateline NBC, like one of those like investigative things where they were, they would have people like jog on a treadmill for 30 minutes and then they would store your shirt and they would do these like dating, like speed dating things where you would just like, open a Tupperware and like smell sweaty shirts to like <laughs> choose who you want to go on a date. I'm fucking not making this up, dude. I remember watching this on TV and being like, what? What the fuck is this? Go to a bar or a library or the sports place. Like, what is this nonsense? But you know, like th that was like pheromone, like human pheromones was like all the rage. That's hilarious. So, yeah. so like, is it that, Putting it on had an effect because it had human pheromones in it. Is it that it um, made you feel better so you expressed more confidence and we know that confidence is attractive so people treated you nicer? Is it just as simple as you smell like fucking cookies and who doesn't like or cookies? Or apples and it or, smells Or fantastic. Jolly Ranchers, yes. Yeah. So who doesn't like those things? It's the same thing with like like male, what the hell is man perfume called? C cologne? Cologne. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, Like cologne, right? It's like, you know, like, oh, this, this smells like leather or sandalwood or, I don't know, pine trees. I don't, I don't know what cologne. Or old spices. Or old spices. Just old <laughs> useless spices. That's not what Old Spice smells like. I fucking love Old Spice. Old Spice. I, I love their products. I, no connection to them, by the way. I just always buy that product. It's a brand that I trust. Yeah. Um, regardless of the whether or not everybody agrees with me on that or not. But, but it, you know, it's that thing where it's it's like, is it is it making, is it having an effect? Is that effect magical? Or is that a combination of a great many things? I mean, the the real answer is that there's literally no way for us to possibly yeah. know. That's an impossibility, right? But if it worked, and maybe like if you were able to re rewind your memories, you would see that like if an AI could go back through your mind and like categorize and, and like categorize your memories, it would be like, listen, 50% of the time people were jerks to you. 50% of the time people weren't jerks to you. doesn't matter whether you're wearing cologne or not. But if your memory is telling you, if the way that you felt about that outcome 
is telling you that it had a positive effect, then it had a positive effect because you're talking about it right now. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So like, like you know, it's it's one of those like one of those normalized modern practices that that is like somehow related to and empowered by magic, but may also just be like bold faced confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. But who cares? If it works, it works, right? Yeah. Well, and actually, that's that's a great segue I because so in the medieval times, um, there was a whole bunch of this love magic stuff and a spell, a love spell that we have from the medieval times um, that we've been able to see, you know, written out now is uh, for is using apples. So uh, for love, write some specific names on an apple. Some of this is like latin stuff and some of it's like your name and the person's name that you love and you write these names on an apple using a stylus or a new needle so it seems to me that the way that you're trying to write it is to sort of disguise that it's there you don't want to like carve it up with a big old knife well and you're writing you know? a name apples aren't huge yeah yeah so that the writing cannot be seen yeah. uh, and then you give it to the person that you like to eat and mm. then that would make them fall in love with you hmm. Hmm. nice and simple apples spell yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, as we move forward in time, we have um, several magical books here in the house and there's there's still a ton of love magic practices. This is definitely going to be more than one episode that we talk about love magic because oh there's God, so, yeah. so, 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 so much. And it's so interesting and silly and also a little horrifying sometimes. Um, but we have a couple of magic books here um, that um, I went to and I grabbed some love spells um, out of those to talk about here. And of course, we still have some love spells that we wrote um, that we're going to talk about, but we have have uh, one book called The Sorcerer's Screed, which is Icelandic magic. And I know that that makes it sound like it's like super old timey, but it's just the guy that like wrote all these magical spells in the like 40s who used like as much Norse stuff as he could. Yeah. Um, and he has a stave to win a girl and or a, like a girl as like a lover. Um, so inscribe this very specific sigil that's drawn out in the book on a pig's belly with blood from your left nipple and then have the girl sleep on it overnight. Yeah. I don't know if she's sleeping on the pig's belly. I don't know if that's still on the pig or if it's separate from the pig or if well, she's... Well, it's definitely separate from the pig. I don't know. Yeah. Is it like... It doesn't say. So for me, it's like I'm the just skin like, of a is pig's this belly. girl... She's not just sleeping on like a flat of bacon. See, that's what I immediately went to. Then you can't eat that bacon. Who's going to waste bacon? I mean, but then she would smell like bacon. Yeah, no, I'm pretty certain after eight hours of sleep, she's going to smell like rotten meat, <laughs> which is not hot. So that is uh, that's a little love spell that we have in that book. There crazy are other a, love that spells. That book has some crazy there are some spells in it, weird boy. spells. Let me tell you, every yeah. time I pick that book up and I look through it, I'm just like, man, what the fuck? I'm just, it's good. I'm always it's like, such a fun oh, book, this will be helpful because there's yeah. like spells and stuff in here. And then I look at the spells and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not. You're gonna just like, do this that. is too much work, and I don't have access to like 50 percent of this stuff, and two of these might be crimes, so I'm not gonna do it. There are more of more than two of them are crimes. <laughs> yeah. In that book, there is one spell, and I don't remember what it's for i think it's about gambling and it's like you just you have to like skin a dead body and wear its like legs no, it's as for, trousers it's for increasing wealth you skin That's a dead it. body and you put uh two gold coins in the scrotal region mm -hmm. and then you wear them like That's pants and right. uh and then the wealth grows and you can't take them off yeah oh ever, ever. they can only be gifted to somebody else and there's actually i think there's historical evidence of human skin pants 
There is. Like, yes. yeah, this is like a real ass Icelandic thing or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Weird times, man. Yeah. Weird times. Yeah. So another book that we have is Appalachian Folk Magic. And in that one, it tells you to write names of the potential new couple or the love, you know, so like I love you and I'm going to put my name and I'm going to put your name each on a set on a hazelnut. And then we're just going to toss those hazelnuts into the fire. And if those hazelnuts burn all the way to ash, it would be a favorable relationship between the two of us and possibly result in marriage. However, if those hazelnuts jump out of the fire or pop or crack or anything like that, um, then probably not. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have um, another book that has just sort of like a random, a whole bunch of random spells. Uh, and it has a uh, like a sweet jar. And um, there's a ton of different ways that you can do this. So I've kind of like distilled this into like the, the like the easiest and uh, most common way that it's done. So you usually take a couple items that signify the intention of the spell, and then you place it in a jar, and then it's filled with honey, syrup, or sugar. Um, and then you put on top a red, pink, or white candle, and then you light that candle and you burn it down, and that wax seals the jar. In the book that we have, um, the spell has like a seashell and a rose quartz and some rose petals, and then you fill it with sugar um, and like a picture of the two people, and then you seal it. Hmm. And then in uh, episode 22, Toxic Internet Witchcraft, we talked about a cord cutting spell. So this one isn't traditionally considered a love magic spell, but in a way it is, because the thing about love is sometimes it ends. Yeah, that shit kind of ends sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's not always the thing that you want to think about when you're thinking about all these like, you know, cupids and arrows and rose petals and chocolates and Valentine's Day and stuff. But yep. sometimes relationships end and you have to cut. Give a baby with a that 25 person. pound bow and teach it to shoot people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It was not a baby. We talked about that in the Aphrodite episode. It's just uh, a grown man walking around in a diaper with a bow. It's a threat <laughs> to public safety. <laughs> Hey, don't kink shame. <laughs> so with the a bow's the threat, not the diaper. I mean, I guess maybe the diaper's a threat. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it, the, the diaper is definitely a threat. <laughs> All I know is that if I was driving through downtown and I saw that, I would immediately stop my car, turn around and go home and be like, outside isn't for me today. I wouldn't outside even stop tomorrow the car. Thing. I would just turn around. Out. No, I'm not risking it. Three rights, make a left. That's and we would just that's be fair. home. You turn. <laughs> So with a cord cutting spell, you take two candles. One is for you and one is for the other person. You tie a string or a cord around them and then you light the candles and you let them burn down. And as they burn down, the cord or string will either um, just sort of like catch fire and, um, you know, burn or it'll just sort of fall off of the candles. And as that happens, the attachment will fade. We give more detailed instructions in this spell actually in episode 22. Yeah. Uh, as well as if you are a patron, you can go and get the book of shadows for that and um that is if you are going to do this do it on a fire safe surface yep with a fire extinguisher or some way of putting it out and controlling it and know what you're doing don't burn your house down trying to break up with somebody 
you can do that yeah. with a fucking text message, honestly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and a, there I'm not saying is... that's not a dick move, but I'm saying that it's a way better move than burning your fucking house down. So yeah, and there is the through. second drinking game item of the episode. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Um, so before we talk about the spells that we wrote, um, I was going to talk about our experience and what we do with love spells. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. you go first. I um I don't really do spells like that i don't really do spells on people mm-hmm. i'm not really a spells on people kind of guy i'm a like learn knowledge kind of person like i'll ask a question to like cards or runes or whatever but like i'm not i don't know i'm not really i'm not really like a love spell man <laughs> it's just i don't know this it's not my vibe i i honestly it's just because like 99% of the time when people are talking about love spells, it's like, oh, this person like is or is not some functional degree of into me or not into me, but I'm into them. So like, I'm going to have them fall in love with me. So I'm going to like cast this spell or whatever. And like that shit just sounds sketchy, just boldly sketchy to me. So I'm just like, I'm not that. That seems uncool, dude. I'm not going to do it. Right? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things. Love spells is just not really something that I, um, that I really practice or partake in. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm like, like I saw that earlier and I like for the last 20 minutes, I've been trying to think in my head of like, have I ever done like a, like a cast a spell, like add a person in some functional relation of love. And I, I can't think of anything on the top of my head. Nothing wrong with that, yeah, really. Like at because all, because everybody practices magic in a different yeah, way. And so that's, some that's people, no hate. Like if that's what do you're it. doing, that's what you're doing. Like I'm not. Again, that's that is your moral call. I'm not gonna like push my shit on other people. <laughs> but like for me, like I just I, like I, I have gotten to a point where I am even trying to think of like specifically like like directing a spell towards a person, and I I just. I'm a more of a question asker than an intention mm. forcer with that regard. Now that I'm thinking about that, like more. I often do spells that are directed at people, but they're usually at the, at, they're usually with that person's knowledge. And honestly, it's usually for healing because yeah. I am pretty, I'm, I'm really yeah, good well, at healing. And that's, and that's like completely but different. But I have but... done love spells at people before. So earlier I had mentioned I had done a spell um, on someone that I was really into. They were also into me and I wanted to bind them to me. And in the end, when that relationship didn't work out, it was, uh, first of all, I felt awful about doing that sort of like bind them to me thing because it very clearly made it difficult for them to to not be in a relationship with me about that. So I had done a cord cutting spell of sorts, but that was ages and ages before this sort of take two candles, tie a knot sort of thing became popular. So I just like made something up uh, and did it. And after that, I didn't really cast any love spells on people, but together you and I, we often do like a harmonious, like harmonious marriage and fertility kind of uh, jar spell. And and like that, that is a separate and distinct conversation. I, I would I would call and we will talk about fertility magic separately. Yeah, in its like own fertility episode. and sex magic is separate from like love spells and stuff. Yeah, so that's different to me. 
Yeah, but so, like, when yeah, we, I do, like, we have that. yeah, we we do do that. Um, so. And when I do a jar spell, I generally sort of it's not like I take a a. a I don't have a very uh, small focus on it. It's usually sort of a broader thing. Yeah. So if I'm doing a jar spell for like fertility, for instance, there's also going to be stuff about harmony. There's going to be stuff about loyalty. There's going to be stuff about marriage. There's going to be stuff about love. There's going to be stuff about yeah. lust. Yeah. You know, there's going to be all of yeah. that stuff See, in there. If I'm, so... if, I'm doing, if I'm doing like a spell type thing, right, it's generally like directed at the like grand cosmic ether. Yeah. With intent and less like this, this guy right here, get that guy. Like that's, that's way too focused, man. That's not, that's not my jam. I've definitely done that magic too, but yeah. that is another episode. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. We a... will be talking about curses and hexes later on this year. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that then. Um, and as far as like other love spells go, yeah, I don't really, um, I don't really do that. I've never really done that like divination for like who you're going to marry kind of stuff either. No, I've never really done that. I've definitely done, like, I've definitely used runes for clarification with regard to relationships. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, I feel this is, you know, like, we're, like, I, like, I feel like this is approaching an end. Like, is this, for lack of better words, question yeah. mark, right? So, and, you know, and then like, like, looked into it that way or whatever, but that's not really like directed at a person so much as asking for clarification on a thing that I am already thinking and yeah. either like it being like, you know, maybe, you know, like ask them or like, you know, maybe it's like trust yourself or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's, but that's like different. That's not really like towards a person, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the towards a person part. That's the part that I'm not, yeah, and this um, we haven't talked about, and we will not really be in this episode talking about sex magic, but sex magic is often linked to love magic because oh, sure. yeah. a lot of times you're having sex with someone you love, or at least that you like. <laughs> or um, at, least that you, at least we hope that you are with somebody that you like. Jeez, right? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kick <laughs> no, shame on no anyone. judge. Yeah, no uh, judge. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, sex magic does not have to be about love. And oh, love no. magic certainly doesn't have to be about sex. And we will be talking about sex magic uh, later on in another episode, although we're not quite sure when that's going to be. So definitely stay tuned for that. But just keep in mind that sex magic is not the same as the love magic yeah. stuff in the same way that like hand fasting is also not love magic and fertility magic is also not love magic and self-love magic is love magic, but also not love magic. Yeah, so well, it can not be lot. love magic. It depends on the type of love magic. Yeah. Again, terms like love magic is it, it's it's so broad, broad, yeah. and only really culturally relevant, like in and around similar cultural identities and times mm -hmm. as we are currently talking about this. Right? I totally. mean, like the the example is like now, love is like a very narrow margin of definition compared to like the Greeks who had like. Seven types of like love. seven different yeah. kinds of love, and they all had very specific meanings and and all that. So so like you know the definitions of words sort of shift around, and like cultural acceptance sort of shifts around. You know like for me, it's always just been like I had to write to some other people. That's not really my jam. Um, but like I never really had to like wrestle with the with the like logical moral quandary of that. Mm -hmm. It's always just been like, well, that's 
I'm, I'm like, I'm like my mind just doesn't occupy that space. So, so for me, it's just like, no, of course not. Why would you do that? That's bananas. Like, <laughs> do you want to date that person? You have a hole in your head that makes noises that other humans understand. <laughs> so you just make noises out of this mouth that asks them if they also want to date you. And then if they make the noise that means yes, well, you're dating. That's how simple life is, right? Like that, that is like the, that is the end of that for me. <laughs> like robot, but uh, yeah, like for, like if, if you make me think about it from a moral standpoint, like I'm not super cope with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's just my opinion on it. Doesn't mean you disagree. Doesn't mean you have you shouldn't disagree with me. I'm just a jackass making noises out of my sound. Hole. Yeah, again, we are definitely not experts. We are just no, talking about our no. But I am still, and I'm going to bring this up again. Very interested to hear what your guys's opinions yeah. is. What your opinion out there is on love magic and and like like how that like how you process all of that and how you do all of that. Like I, like I want to know more. Because it's it's interesting, not at all something I would do, but very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I like learning stuff, so. Yeah. And with that, we will talk about the spells that uh, we've got for you. So the first of these is the is a happy relationship jar spell. Yeah. So you will need a jar, a small piece of paper, honey. And if you are allergic to honey, like a syrup or something. Some sort of sweetener. Um, some sort of sweetener. Uh, it could even be sugar. It doesn't really matter. Um, you're going to want two, um, two plants of your choice from like herbs of your choice, spices of your choice from the correspondence list. I'm going to say down below it's not actually down below no. on my notes it's down below um but we will go over the correspondence in a moment and you would want to use one two of those and then you also choose two stones of I your choice assumed you meant whole plants when i was looking at that reading it while you were talking and i was just like like fucking shrubs or something how big is this jar what are you doing with this i don't get to read these notes before sitting down here and talking about this stuff with you guys so every once in a while my eyes glance over and i catch something and i'm just like what the fuck is going on what because yeah i have no bloody clue also and we've said this before but we'll say it again we wrote these spells these don't have any connection to any particular practice insofar as it the connection is that we wrote them um because we're magical and stuff yeah they're, they're pretty um they're pretty pretty easy to use for any type of way that you like to do your magic yeah so you're going to take this piece of paper and you're going to write your name in the center of it in preferably in red ink but if you don't have red any color will do yeah. uh and then write the name of the person that you love on top of your name like just you know writing over it uh and then draw a heart around both of your names yeah. as but anatomically correct as possible or as non-anatomically <laughs> no, no. correct. I couldn't draw possible. an anatomically correct heart. Do the, do, do the, the, whatever. The heart shape. The heart shape. Yeah. <laughs> the candy company heart. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so once you've drawn the heart around your names, fold the piece of paper uh, three times and then place it into the jar. Now put the plants, the herbs, the spices uh, into your jar and then place the two stones in the jar as well. Now pour honey or whatever your sweetener of choice is into the jar covering its contents completely, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the entire amount of the jar. Honey is very expensive. Yeah. So however much co covers it, you're good. Uh, and then uh, you're going to uh, seal the jar and shake it six times. As you shake it six times, say... Two become one, a bond that cannot be undone. 
Our love is sweet and strong. Together we belong. And as you're doing this, visualize happy moments between the two of you, as well as the depth of your love and you know, all that other fuzzy stuff. Uh, and when you feel like you have sufficiently charged the jar, place it in your sacred space or hide it away in a cupboard, put it in a wall, I guess, you know, whatever you want to do with your spell yeah. jars. Uh, and you can also recharge this as needed by shaking the jar six times and reciting the charm again. So maybe don't bury that in a wall just yet. Yeah. Uh, and out of the reach of children and animals. Certainly. They get into stuff. You don't want somebody to eat that either. No. Or you don't want it to fall and break and that's how you get ants. Yeah. Uh, and if the relationship has run its course, dispose of the jar however you want to. You can open it up, pour that stuff in the garbage, and you just throw the whole jar in the garbage. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Don't put it in a fire. Glass Ooh, is under, yeah. do under tension. Do not put that in a fire. So if you overheat glass, it explodes. Yes. And if there's a fucking lid on it, that's called a bomb. Yes. Don't do that. Man. Don't do that. It's crazy that I have to say this shit out loud. But like you see on the stuff that you see it on like TikTok and Instagram and, and like Reddit and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, if you need to Some dispose of, this... of a spell jar, just throw, yeah, it, throw in it in the, the trash. garbage. Yeah. And if you don't want to throw it in the garbage, then rinse it then out. Rinse like it you out. Can, if it's if you're using like just like a throw fucking mason jar or something. In the garbage. Throw the contents out, clean that shit with soap and water. Guess what? Use it for the next spell or whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah. Don't man. bury it. Yeah, yes, and don't bury don't it. Put it That's how somebody's going to be also, digging there one day and cut themselves. Yeah, and also don't just like chuck it into a body of water either. That yeah. stuff doesn't belong Also there. not cool. Also yeah. not cool. Be responsible with your with your magical practice. That is right. Yeah. So the next one is <laughs> a sexy salsa spell. Like the dance. You're going to need to learn a whole ass dance. <laughs> You can, you can pair this with a dance if you want. Yeah. So tomatoes have long been associated with love since the Middle Ages uh, when they were called love apples. With this in mind, something as simple as a fresh salsa becomes a love spell when you want something spicy. And also it being Valentine's Day, like strawberries are everywhere. And I was originally thinking about doing a spell with strawberries. And I was like, everybody does strawberries. Yeah, salsa is better. Salsa. We just watched like a whole thing about tomatoes in we the did. Middle Ages. We did. And how like there was a brief period of time where everybody thought they were poisonous. <laughs> Yeah, because they're acidic, and it <laughs> yeah. was it was it was really it was, informative. It was, it was super interesting. I learned a bunch. Poisoning people. Yeah. Um. So to make this really, you could use any salsa recipe that you want, but we have a very specific one for a pico de gallo, which is a fresh salsa. Um. So you're gonna want to take one pound of tomatoes, and tomatoes are used for love. You're gonna take a half of a medium onion. Onions are used for stability and endurance. A wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, and three like cloves of garlic, which brings togetherness. Again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's just nearness. <laughs> One jalapeno uh, and peppers bring fidelity as well as they kind of speed up the the Empowerment. results of the spell. Uh, you're going to use one lime and lime strengthens love. Also lime is a sacred fruit to Aphrodite. So that definitely helps. You're going to use salt to taste. And of course, uh, salt is used for protection and optional just because some people aren't into these things. Uh, half a cup of cilantro for lust uh, or and, well, and or I guess and or, yeah. one medium avocado for lust. Uh, if you're using the avocado that goes on top, it doesn't get mixed in. They don't. Yeah, do so they'll well. get Smushed. It'll get smushed and it'll be weird and gross. Yeah. So chop each item separately, except for the limes. 
Um, <clears throat> and then once you have all of your items chopped, combine them in a large bowl. And as you're combining them, do you do it one at a time and visualize the magical meaning behind each ingredient as you put it in the bowl. So put in the bowl tomatoes for love and then an onion for stability. And once you've combined all the items, squeeze the juice of the lime while again calling upon its magical meaning and then mix and enjoy with your sweetie in whatever way you want to enjoy salsa. Yeah. You Chips. Chips, tortillas, tortillas. Just what, yeah, however, however you want to eat salsa. We like putting salsa on eggs. Yeah, we put salsa on everything. You know what's really good? I started doing this because I'm because <laughs> I'm watching my figure. You know, um, <laughs> uh, is because I'm not a huge fan of cream based dressings. Like I used to eat a lot of ranch on salads when I was like a kid, but uh, I fucking can't stand that now. Like literally at all, it's gross to me. Um, the only thing you have ranch on now is wings. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I, I don't even do pizza and ranch anymore. Yeah. I, pri I like primarily only eat spicy food. <laughs> I have a problem, but um, uh, what I started doing is getting salsa and putting it on salad as my salad dressing, just because like it's not it, like it's vinegary. You know, like you know, it's it's like acidic and you know, like vinegary ish, and it's got like a bunch of flavors and like a bunch of vegetables and stuff. Um, but it's not oily and it's not creamy, which are not things that I want on leaves that I'm eating. So yeah, I just started using like two, two tablespoons of salsa on my salad as a salad dressing. And, uh, I tried it the first time just as like a, well, I don't want that salad dressing. So I'm just going to try this boop, boop. And it's the fucking best, man. Let me tell you what. It's <laughs> He's been so telling good. everyone about it. Uh, yeah. Everyone. I've been, ta I've been talking weeks. it up for weeks. Just like, you got to try salsa as your salad dressing. It's the secret, man. It's yeah. The secret. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, okay, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a, I am an oil and vinegar type of gal yeah. myself, particularly balsamic. Uh, so let's talk about some correspondences. Correspondi. Correspondi. So uh, there is a ton of correspondences associated with love magic. And uh, we are going to go through some of them here. If you want the full list. Uh, and you it's a doozy. I'm going to have a nightmare of a time fitting this on the flipping Book of Shadows page. I have no idea how you're going to do this. Well, I don't know how I do any of them. It just works out <laughs> at some point in time. So animals associated with love. Um, uh, <laughs> including, but not limited to, uh, doves, ladybugs, and swans. Colors associated with love would be copper, pink, or red. You get all those rosy tones there. For stones, especially if you're thinking about doing that jar spell, amber, amethyst, garnet, jade, rose quartz, very popular. Uh, and as well as turquoise. I'm wearing a turquoise necklace today. Um, just living that vibe. Plants, again, if you've got that jar uh, spell in mind, some great plants would be basil, cilantro, or coriander, depending on uh, where you're from and what form it's in. Uh, cinnamon, daisy, hibiscus, jasmine, lavender, maple, like the tree, but also the syrup. Uh, it comes from the tree, so yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> gotta, gotta clarify. Uh, and willow. As for foods, uh, apples and chocolate, honey, lime, peppers, strawberry, tomatoes, and vanilla are all associated with love. Uh, and for deities, ooh boy, there's also a lot. Uh, so Aphrodite, and if you want to learn more about her, we've got a whole episode doing a deep dive on her. Bastet, and there is a deep dive coming on Bastet. Uh, I know one of our listeners has uh, asked for that, and I am sorry that it... 
wouldn't have taken so long when it gets there, but it's a lot of shows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, Yoster, um, which we will be talking about briefly in the in one of our upcoming episodes, Ostara 102, yep. and we talked about in Ostara 101, uh, Freya, Frigg, and Hathor, Inanna, Isis is also considered a love goddess. We have a whole deep dive on her too. Uh, and Cocopelli also is a love goddess. And uh, miscellaneous things, obviously a heart. <laughs> yep. Anatomical Whole or not. Still beating human heart in the hand. Uh, love knots and shells, as well as uh, sexual fluids and representations of genitals, whether those be phallic or yonic. Hmm. All associated with love magic. Yep. Yeah. So really, there's just a ton of things. Basically, every everything. almost everything at some point in time has been associated with love magic. Yeah. Well, it's a huge fascination for humans. So, you know. Yeah. It's uncontrollable and, um, you know, everybody wants it. That's right. Yeah. So That's right. There you go. That was, uh, what, a, a hand fasting and love magic. Yep. Yeah, that was hand fasting and love magic. Barely. <laughs> Barely hanging on, guys. <laughs> Fading out. I just got to bloody edit this thing. <laughs> and upload it. Two different locations. I guess find time to sleep or something. Uh, so let's start with thank you for listening to this podcast. Let us give a shout out to our patrons, Alan, Miranda, Helena, Jeff, and Alexa. You guys are awesome. Um, you are keeping us in constantly improving situation with regard to making these uh, better. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for helping us do what we do better yeah. every time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the next episode is a pub chat coming out on the 21st. So if you have any questions, submit some questions. If you are listening to this and you have like a magical question that you're thinking of, you can, if you're one of our, uh, if you're on our uh, pat Patreon, if you're a patron, hit us up in the chat, in the Discord. Uh, if you're not a patron, you can always just like message us on social media or leave a comment below this. I read 100% of the comments all the time. Yeah. Yep. You can also so, email us through yeah, you can email our us through website, website. We which have is nerddrive.com. Uh, email form there yeah. if you want to send something like and that. And links to all of our social media is also on the website as well. Yep, yep. And then uh, after that, our last podcast episode for the month is going to be about the Norse family tree. And, uh, I mean, you saw how crazy the, the Greek family tree was. The Norse one is even crazier yes. and uh, yeah, less people are related. So it's going to be very difficult for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I know some of you out there are very excited about it. I, know, I too I'm, am excited. I'm excited. And, and also again, just very afraid of how I'm going to do the book of shadows page <laughs> for that man. It's not easy. Uh, some of these, but anywho, if you do want the book of shadows page, speaking of that, uh, hit us up on Patreon. That's where those are. So uh, that should, that'll be coming out at some point in time, man. I know I'm like three behind right now or four behind, but they're getting done. They're just incredibly time consuming. Um, and they're not as easy as sometimes I'm like, I'm just like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And someone like can fire off real fast. And sometimes I'm like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And then like four days later, I'm just like, I don't, I have three graphics, it's like nine graphics, too little. What am I going to do? Like panic graphic design into the wee hours of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wake up in the middle of the night and there's just like a bunch of pictures of Santa Claus yeah. on your computer. I was up until like what like two February. I was, I was up until like, like what is happening? Like two a.m. doing graphic design for the YouTube channel just like a couple of days ago. I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna work on this, whatever. And then finally, I like looked down at my clock and I'm like, 
I should probably sleep. Sleep is probably useful. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But uh, speaking of YouTube, if you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all the other things that every YouTuber tells you to do. Um, that would be dope. So you can get more of this stuff, as well as our other content. And if you are on a podcast network and you're listening to it that way, leave us a review. If you want to see our faces or you want to leave a comment, uh, check out the YouTube video. Leave a comment there. That's an easy way to do that. And um, we have a bunch more YouTube stuff coming out. Obviously, we have this podcast and we have a pub chat. I'm doing a weekly like pint night where I just kind of like blab for 15 minutes about whatever the heck I want to talk about and like fitness stuff and like just kind of whatever nonsense uh, strikes my fancy over the course of the week while we have a pint of beer, which is fun. Uh, we also are back in on uh, Trek Jive. So we're doing reviews of the newest episodes of Star Trek. So you can check those out. Those are on our podcast. And we have more festival blot. What do you call them? Sabbath. Sabbaths. Never going to remember that word. Sabbath holiday sort of vlogs, as well as any sort of like travel and event vlogs. Those are going to be coming out throughout the year. And we have project vlogs. So stay tuned for those. We're, um, one we're, is very secret and we cannot talk yeah, about we're, it. We're close to uh, a few of these. But we've also yeah. got some flower crown videos coming, coming out. So, we'll be so just in time for spring. Join so us for making flower yeah, crowns. Making flower crowns. Several different types of flower crowns to fit right all now, of your flower Right now, four needs. types. This one from one video, it increased to four videos. Yeah. I don't have time for any of this. <laughs> too, too busy. We're very extra. Yeah, that's fine. That's we're fine. Somebody extra. has to be. Somebody has to be. But yeah. Either way, I have been John Northrope. This has been Julie Northrope. This has been The Horn. And Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. And um, we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical, folks. Yeah. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt. Mm.